Hello everyone, today we have a very exciting day. We're gonna talk about iOS 16, the new iPhone, pretty much all Apple today, and that's not really how this is going to normally be. We're just gonna cover the biggest event that we could find in one longer discussion and really talking about things and unpacking them. It just happened to be Apple this week. Yes, we like Apple for certain things and we dislike them for other things. That's not what today's about. Today's just about talking about the updates and really giving our thoughts and our personal experiences in some of this stuff. Next week, it could be something totally different and it could be about an open source project. We don't know. It's just whatever the biggest event is of the week that we want to talk about. We're loosely calling this TechLore Talks right now. Let us know if you like that name. We want this to be kind of a weekly series where we give our thoughts and we talk about the privacy and security angle from current events in a much more long form factor. Um, I'm Henry from TechLore. I'm Jonah from TechLore. Uh, I do the uh, I do administration for our new form that just went up at discuss.techlore.tech. So come check that out. That's what I've been working on the past few months. So you want to get started? Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to start off this discussion with kind of our history uh, with iOS 16. So Jonah, have you used iOS 16? Where are you at with it? Yeah, I've been using iOS 16 uh, on my own phone for since the first developer beta came out because I am dumb. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you have a history of always getting yeah, screwed. Yeah, I always, that. I always uh, <laughs> do it day one, day one betas on my daily driver iPhone and MacBook. So it's been good though. When, it's been good. When did that come out? Um, that was, I believe, uh, WWDC was early June. So got it. I think the first or second week. I don't remember exactly. Got it. So you've had it for a few months then. Yep. And are you already on the public release right now? Are you still? I am on the public release, and I. I always quit the betas um, when the public release comes out. So now I'm stable again because I'm only interested in the new features, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, unlike you, I, I like the stability and I <laughs> do not want to risk anything. Um, and so I actually just updated this morning. So I only have about a day's worth of experience with the actual usability aspect. So it's going to be fun to see um, how our experiences differ in this discussion. And why don't we go ahead and start with the non-privacy and security related things, which isn't too much, honestly, um, before we get into all the privacy and security stuff and talk about kind of uh, what we think about that. Um, so the lock screen. Yeah, that's the biggest change, think? I think. Um, <laughs> I like it. It's pretty fancy. It's not like that different. I think we're going to have to see how like apps end up supporting uh, the new widgets. Um, that'll be the biggest thing. That was my assumption because it looked like they were there was only Apple options today when I was yep. looking at it. So I assume that it's open to third parties. As it well. should be. It should be open today. So I haven't updated any apps to see um, which apps have been updated. But typically apps don't get to use iOS 16 features until the public release. So sometimes apps are right there on day one with updates. Um, and sometimes it'll take a while. So I haven't seen any yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have any either. Um, and this just reminds me that Proton VPN is still using the original widget <laughs> system that Apple implemented, and they still haven't used the new one, um, which is really frustrating because like <laughs> Apple still keeps them together, but you have to like sort and customize them differently. Yeah, which is the really widgets better like on the side instead of on the home screen. You mean? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Proton still uses for the VPN. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, they got to get with the times. Well, for, for me, I really liked the template ones. Like, it was cool that they had so many of the pre-built home screens. And honestly, yeah. I, I that's not something I would ever use, I don't think. It's just not part of my workflow for my phone because I don't use my phone for much. But um, I thought it was cool to see that. And I really wanted to just add a widget to my current 
lock screen and I couldn't do it. Um, I don't think they, they might let you add the widgets to a custom photo, but you have to create a new wallpaper. It seems like I, I don't know I why, but I couldn't so. just add a widget to my new one. Interesting. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Um, I've had weird, I've had weird issues with the lock screen setup, uh, during the beta and I haven't seen if any of them are resolved yet, but I, 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 there's a, there's a template that was in the beta. I hope it's in the original release. It was like the original, do you remember the fish wallpaper from like the iPhone, like the first iPhone? I don't. Oh, it was like, uh, it's like, what are those clownfish like Nemo in an anemone? It's a Let classic picture. You gotta see. I can't, I can't Let check out my phone right now. <laughs> Is it the clownfish? Yeah. Oh yeah, with the green. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're still there. They used the that wallpaper on the original iPhone during like the keynote in two thousand seven, um, but then they never released it with any iPhone. It was never a stock wallpaper. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now and it's now here. they brought it back. Weird stuff. Yeah. Huh. Bizarre. The you know the ones that I thought were were really hideous. The emoji wallpapers. Oh, I cannot stand that, those. <laughs> that is definitely aimed at the younger crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Like maybe in middle school would have been like, haha, look, I have a poop um, emoji wallpaper. Haha, <laughs> look at me, guys. Yeah, the much younger crowd. I mean, I don't want to sound like a boomer, Henry. I'm not that old, but <laughs> it's not appealing to me at all. We, I, we actually already talked about this. I know Jonah probably, I, I love audio messages, especially on Signal. Um, but with iMessage, they did change the audio messages a little bit. It took me like a minute to figure out how to do it. It's now one of the like apps slash widgets in iMessage instead of being its own not send button. And they actually really screwed you because they still have the mic icon where the send button is as if it's the audio message button. But now that's the diction button. Oh, really? So you, yeah, you tap that for diction when it used to be what the audio message was for. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. They must want you to use diction is that's my guess. Like anyone who's using audio messages, they want you to switch because they've improved diction in ios 16 to i guess i really like audio messages though because they're more personalized and i would argue the reason why audio messages suck is because they don't make them better on iMessage <laughs> like on signal you can change the frequency so i can listen to audio messages on 1.5x or 2x yeah um and it's just easier to keep track of audio messages on signal honestly i find signal better than iMessage from a usability perspective i definitely in my do, opinion yeah. I mean, because I don't use any of iMessage's features, like the like the games. I don't. Uh... Well, now I can't with lockdown mode. We'll get into that later, right? <laughs> yes, I didn't know that actually. I yeah. didn't know that you can do games. Yeah, we'll talk. There's a lot of iMessage stuff that gets blocked. Speaking of iMessage, you can also edit messages and delete messages now. I have not tried it. Yep, I have not tried that either. Um, I don't think it worked. Well, maybe it worked during the beta, but I don't know anyone else using the beta to test it out with. So. So do both people have to use iOS 16 for that to work? I believe so. I think there's backwards compatibility, but it's like really ugly. Like, I think it just sends a message that says that this person edited the message and then what the new message says. So I don't know if you're familiar with like how the thumbs up and thumbs down reactions yes, work on Android. Very familiar. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's exactly like that, um, but for editing messages. So. Got it. Okay, that is pretty messy then. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, it's it's a bummer because I thought that may, maybe in some fantasy world, the way that Apple actually handled the emotions was they used the liked by quote as an input and output to be able to still reply to things. So when I had my Android device, I tried 
copying an earlier message and adding exactly the liked by mm. to see if I could react to iPhone mess like to to people for iPhones if I could react to their messages from an Android device and it doesn't work Apple that doesn't work doesn't do that no, interesting have you tried it I wonder if it works with the uh, with the Google Messages app because I don't know if you know this but the like the Google Messages app now shows the reactions as like reactions instead of the long text message. So like they're, they're interpreting it, but I don't know if it works the other way around. I don't know if they've implemented some way for it to send. I kind of think it, it didn't, can't have since it didn't work for you, but. This is actually like the last thing that I, that we thought was relevant to even share that was not privacy and security related was web push notifications in Safari. So if you're using something like ProtonMail inside of your browser, theoretically, you should be able to get notifications for that now without needing to install the ProtonMail app, which is really awesome and really opens up a lot of things for web-based content, which I'm excited for. That is actually super cool. That's going to be really useful for me on my iPad, I think, because I hate a lot of iPad apps, especially the ProtonMail app. So being able to use it in Safari... <laughs> That's a debate we've had. <laughs> being able to use it in Safari is going to be really nice if I can get notifications. Um, I probably... I don't use a lot of PWAs otherwise, so... The only web app I would even consider using is probably Crypty, but I haven't used that enough to know whether notifications would even be relevant to them at all. I'm not thinking because they don't have any sharing functionality at the moment. They don't. I mean, I'm sure they could find something to send push notifications for like a new update or something. But yeah, I can't think of anything that would be critical to the functionality. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about your experience with iOS 16 that wasn't privacy and security related? Was it, um, did you have a lot of bugs? How was, how was being in the beta? No, the beta hasn't been that bad. The beta hasn't usually been bad for me. I think it's, I might just have a higher tolerance for what I would accept from, from my phone. So um, not too many issues. The only app that I've consistently had issues um, since the iOS 14 beta with this element, which always seems to somehow work terribly during the entire beta, but then magically work fine at the public release. I don't know what they're doing for their development, but that's how it goes. Well, let's go ahead and talk about privacy and security. And that's probably what a lot of people want to hear about, which is iOS 16. And actually, before we even get into iOS 16, I did want to outline that it seems like Apple at the same time that they, that they released iOS 16, they released something um, that was iOS 15.7. Um, and it seems like iOS 15.7 is just security updates. And it seems like these are going to be the same security updates you're going to find in iOS 16. So if you don't want to update to 16 yet, um, because you don't like a feature or you want to wait for them to iron out the kinks or any of that, um, we would still recommend updating to 15.7. And what that looks like for me today is when I went into the software update section, it said you have an update available, 15.7. That's all it showed. But then it went down and it said, or you can upgrade to iOS 16. So you should have an option in your settings if you're there. And at the minimum, you should update to 15.7 for that, for those security patches. Yeah, I think uh, that that was introduced in iOS 14, actually. Uh, I think the 14 to 15 upgrade, um, they let you stay on iOS 14 for quite a while. I think it was at least six months they kept releasing like security updates for iOS 14 at the same time as iOS 15. So... A lot of people are like wary of upgrading to new feature releases right away, and they can fairly safely stay on the last version for at least a while until maybe they consider the bugs to be wrinkled out. I don't know what the phrase is. What am I trying to say? <laughs> no, yeah, no, it, it makes sense. In and iOS 16. You know what? It, it just comes back like that is something I don't care how much you hate Apple. 
like even if you're the biggest apple hater the way apple handles software updates is just beautiful like the the length of time that they support their devices the fact they do things like this like they still give you the security updates in a clean fashion like this and it's all seamless no other company does it like the way they do and i i really appreciate that yeah yeah it's really nice um you saw I know you saw it, but I don't know for other people. Apple just pushed out a completely random update for iOS 12, I think last week. Yeah. Um, that was just a security update for iOS 12 users. And this goes back to the iPhone 5S. So if you still have an iPhone 5S that was released in 2013, almost 10 years ago, you still got a security update a week ago, which is crazy. I, I still wouldn't consider it a secure device anymore, but like you're still getting. Right. You're missing out on a lot of security patches um, <laughs> if you're still on iOS yes. 12. But it's but it is it is very cool that they're fixing like the really major ones this this far on. And so let's cover the elephant in the room. Lockdown mode. Yeah. This is this is what's getting all the attraction. It's essentially like a hardcore lockdown. It's called locked <laughs> lockdown but it's like a locked down version of an iphone and this is targeted i think towards journalists and a lot i think that this is a big reaction to um the pegasus spyware which gave apple a lot of bad press it it definitely is yeah there was a lot of like different spyware for ios that was all coming out like right around um the beginning of last summer um, like Pegasus, um, and this was definitely a response to that. So I've been using lockdown mode uh, since pretty much the beginning of when I was using the beta as well. And uh, from a usability perspective, there's not a lot different. It's not a huge like impact to your day-to-day -day use if you're willing to give up a few features. Um, the The biggest thing for me has been in Safari, it blocks uh, like custom fonts. So a lot of like icons don't work on different websites. Um, they just show up as squares uh so usually that's that not a big deal open crypty yeah crypty and other web apps it's going to be a big deal for i think um but you can you can add per site exceptions so i guess if there's like a trusted site that you use you can you can fix it or just put up yep. with the lack of icons <laughs> <laughs> no i i i opened safari right away and added an exclusion for crypty because it was i didn't even want to bother at that point mm -hmm. um and you for those it took me a second to find it because i'm used to apple just baking all functionality inside of the share menu in safari <laughs> yes. for whatever reason <laughs> so um it's actually inside of the the font icon on the bottom left of safari it's in there that you can add exceptions yeah to i think it's mode. called website settings is the is the menu icon and i think so too yeah and yeah they, they moved everything around it take it takes me forever to find things uh what else it also blocks um it also blocks a lot of iMessage um, attachments and link previews as well. So like previews won't show up anymore if someone sends you a link. And then most uh, iMessage extensions like uh, like games that you can install. And uh, I use a lot of Apple Health like fitness related features. People will send me, like if I complete an activity, people will send me a note on their watch. It's a thing that Apple Watch does. It lets you reply to people. Um, but I don't, I don't get those on my phone anymore. They just show up as like blank messages basically, which is kind of strange. Does it not make you feel accomplished after um, your workouts? Well, the messages, I, I have to look into this because the messages do still show up on my watch. They just don't show up on my phone. I don't know if there's a separate lockdown mode for watch OS. I haven't actually checked that out yet, but that's oh. something that I have to look at. 
That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the next Pegasus. They attack you through your Apple Watch. <laughs> through your Apple Watch? Yeah, I can see it. Um, and then Lockdown Mode does a couple other things. I think the three other things it does are it blocks wired connections to anything anytime that your device is locked, um, which I think is slightly different than the current uh, setting that lets you do that. I think in lock screen settings, you can disable USB accessories. Um, but I think they still work after you've used them once. And now lockdown mode prevents them from working at all when the device is locked. I'm not 100% sure on that though. So I'd have to look and see why that's exactly different because they made a big deal about it even though that feature kind of already exists. Yeah, it's possible to, even if it is the same feature that it like, it's just forcing it. It just forces it, yeah. Yeah. Um, lockdown mode, what else does it do? It also blocks invites on Apple services. Um, so like people can't FaceTime you anymore unless you've interacted with them first. So that was a big, there were a lot of FaceTime bugs. I think it was a year or two ago where like people could hack your phone or like, oh, I remember what it was. They could like see your camera and microphone um, by starting a FaceTime call, even if you don't pick up. Do you remember that? I remember that one. Yeah. I remember that one. So yeah. I think, I think this is the prevent stuff like that. Um, you can only get calls from people you've interacted with now. Um, and then lockdown mode doesn't let you install any kind of configuration profiles or enroll your device in like a corporate remote management system anymore. So anything that you have installed before you enable lockdown mode still works. So that's going to be good for companies. They can keep using their MDM and have their employees enable lockdown mode afterwards. Or I would imagine some companies will be able to like force lockdown mode to be enabled. Um, but that prevents like attack vectors of people secretly changing your phone settings because a lot of people i've seen people who just install profiles on their phone and <laughs> they don't even know what they do so that's never been me in the past <laughs> no it's it's really hard to do but uh i guess you can be i guess it's some sort of social engineering attack if you can get somebody to go through the process of installing something another big feature of ios 16 is safety check um this one's probably going to be applicable to a few more people than lockdown mode, but it's a pretty niche group of people that Apple's targeting, um, which is basically anybody, uh, any victims of like domestic abuse or uh, abusive relationships, that type of thing. So I have a quote here uh, from a privacy engineering, privacy engineering manager, uh, during the keynote, they said that it lets people in abusive situations quickly revoke an abuser's access to, to their data and location, enabling them to cut ties and get to safety. So basically, safety check allows you to really quickly in the settings of your app uh, kind of review basic things like who you're sharing your location with. Um, it lets you reset all of your passwords with just like one click for all of your Apple services. Um, and it lets you like clear out your device of anything that might be tracking you or surveilling what you do on your device. Um, so it's a pretty cool set of features for people that need it. I know a lot of people um, in that type of situation get kind of worried that they haven't found everything on their phone. So it's kind of a reassurance that they've covered everything that might be tracking them in one central place. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good one. It's the kind of thing that... Um... It's nice to have, but we hope you never have to use. So yeah, 
that's um it's a good thing that they're offering that i'm excited to see if this if things like this and things like lockdown mode are going to end up in android 14. yeah like if there's going to be a, an equivalent of that on the android side of things which normally there is normally mm -hmm. when they release things like this you see it on the other end too actually and to quickly go back to lockdown really quickly to be honest after using it frankly i've only used it now for what 12 hours but there was almost no difference in my usability yeah. to, to the point where I don't know why I wouldn't just recommend most people turn on lockdown mode because there's not much of an impact. And um, John Osbay, the creator of Crypty, mm -hmm. did that article with uh, Vice that came out that we covered on surveillance support, which talked about how if you're using lockdown mode, people can identify they're using lockdown mode. So this could be like a fingerprinting tactic as well to identify people who are on lockdown mode. Sure. So um, kind of like Tor, how people encourage people to use Tor just to help people blend in with each other and to make the anonymity of Tor stronger. Um, I would say, why not? Like if you're on iOS 16, I'd say just enable lockdown mode. And if it works for you, just keep it on and you're probably helping someone else. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. but Yeah, no, I think that's definitely good advice, especially with the with the fingerprinting stuff you mentioned. I mean... The, the main thing you have to give up is the is just iMessage features. It depends on whether you use that or not, because the only other major user-facing thing would be the Safari limitations, but you can easily disable those on websites that break with lockdown mode enabled. So it's not really a huge, a huge deal. In before, though, people were like, I can't believe you're even suggesting lockdown mode instead of a <laughs> instead of a complete like a Linux phone, a D big text device. Which, by the way, you can use those too, but I think this video is applicable to people who are on iOS devices. Yeah. Next next week, or we'll cover another big story, but this is definitely the highlight story of the week. Mm -hmm. So the next big thing uh, was rapid security response, and I have my monitor here, so I won't be looking at the camera. Apologies for those watching the video. <laughs> but it's pretty much an option in your automatic updates settings, which allows your phone to install security hotfixes as soon as Apple releases them, instead of waiting for Apple to bundle them into the next iOS point update. So um, like we mentioned earlier, they released iOS 15.7 today, which included all the security fixes. It seems like those are just the same security fixes in iOS 16. So no matter what, you should update to either 15.7 or 16. But with this rapid security response, they don't even need to push out in iOS 16.1 or 16.12, they don't need to do any of that. Um, they can just send out a minor update. It might be similar to updating one of your applications type of deal. Um, so it's a much more minor quick fix, which should be very exciting. Uh, it is coming to macOS Ventura as well. So if you're uh, gonna be using macOS Ventura, that will also be found there. Yeah, that is exciting stuff. Um, I was actually wondering, maybe you could check this since you have your phone. Is that enabled by default? I know it's in the automatic updates uh, section. It is enabled for me. So it must be, I assume. Yeah, I'm guessing it is. Cool. I, I yeah. assumed it would. I don't know why it wouldn't be since they seem to be pushing it. But it, it does say um, it might not be as seamless as an App Store update because you may need to restart your iPhone to complete the installation. Some system files will always be installed automatically, though. So I'm guessing some updates might require a reboot, some might not. But no matter what, I'm sure it's going to be um, a simpler update process than a traditional yeah, for sure. software update. I'll have to keep an eye out and see if uh, see if it prompts you to restart, if, cool. if that's required, because I'm not sure if it would or not. Passkeys are pretty exciting. Uh, it's a new technology uh, that's that Microsoft, uh, Google, and Apple are all working on. 
Um, so they're all like kind of cross compatible. It basically lets you use your phone as a hardware security key, like a UB key. Um, Android has had support for passkeys for a while. I don't remember exactly when it was first introduced, um, but now I, it's supported on iOS 16 as well. Um, I know like, I think the only, I think Chromium browsers support it at the moment. Um, so right now, if you try to use it in the Chromium-based browser like Brave, um, it'll prompt you to pair your uh, browser with a Android device. But if you scan the QR code with uh, with your iPhone, it works as well. And it works basically the same way. It syncs that key to your iCloud account. Oh, that's um, cool. I didn't know that, how that worked. I think I saw the 2FA option on Brave. And it said something with a phone, and I was curious what that was. I didn't know that was what passkeys were. Yeah, that that's the passkeys option. So any site that supports, uh, most sites that support U2F are gonna work with that um, out of the box. Um, some sites like I know Google, for example, doesn't allow you to use certain uh, certain 2FA devices for some reason. So <laughs> huh, we'll, we'll we'll see how compatibility goes, but sites that follow the standard should should all support it i'm still mad google doesn't realistically allow you to use totp <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is ridiculous actually it's yeah you'd think that they would try to like keep people away from sms but that's not it it's totp that they really don't want you using yeah i just had that issue uh a few months ago setting up an account for somebody i don't I just don't understand. <laughs> Me neither. I, I can't. I can't discuss it because they don't understand it. It was one of the reasons I ended up moving over to a YubiKey, because really, I was getting sick and tired of not being able to use TOTP on my Google account because they just would never prompt me for the option, and it was always defaulting back to SMS. And so I was like, "This isn't going to work." And so I eventually went over to the YubiKey for that reason. Well, I guess we'll see if passkeys get supported the problem is i know google already has their own like proprietary system for using your phone as a hardware key based on like the google app and google play services and stuff so will they but replace apple does that? too for for 2fa oh for yeah, icloud, for iCloud. yeah for yeah. sure so that would be cool too i i definitely want to see more 2fa options in icloud so if they support passkeys that would be exciting i don't know if this was passkeys it might have been passkeys or it might have been something else. Wasn't there something they were trying to do to replace captchas? Like oh. were you able to use passkeys as a way that to was authorize... not passkeys, but it has a similar name. I think it's like privacy passport is the name of the standard. Um Okay. And that's coming that is coming to Safari too. I don't think we have that in our notes, but I actually don't know exactly how that works in iOS sixteen. Um that's that's been around for a while. Cloudflare was pushing it. I don't know if you are familiar with Privacy Pass at all. It's like a Chrome extension you can get, um, which basically uh, it it works privately somehow. <laughs> I don't know exactly how it works, but it lets uh, it lets sites validate that you're a real browser and not a robot um, without having to solve captchas. So it it already works. I know on like uh, um, those Cloudflare captcha pages if you've seen those That's well cool. of course you're familiar with those <laughs> yeah i i actually do not like the cloud <laughs> yeah so i think they use h capture right 
they do now, yeah. I think Privacy okay. Pass has actually gotten a lot of flack because pretty much only Cloudflare has been pushing it as a way to get around their their pages that they themselves have, have implemented. So it's like a they created the solution for the problem that they made and they've been trying uh-huh. to get it in like Tor browser and stuff. But it seems like it's now been adopted as some sort of standard and browsers are implementing it natively. So Okay, good to know. When well, I, I looked to see something it, come out. Yeah. When I looked into it it seemed to be reasonably private. I don't remember exactly how it works though. But it doesn't seem like it's a privacy concern in any way. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's going to be some like meta implementation of this that will be privacy invasive. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna definitely be on my toes, but can't wait like, for that. Yeah, that's the thing with tech. A lot of things don't have to be privacy invasive. I know you you tweeted well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tweeted the the thing that got a lot of um not a lot. I mean, some people were like, Oh my gosh, fanboy moment um with the ads and how Apple moving towards more digital advertising doesn't necessarily mean it has to be privacy invasive advertising. Right. Um, which I don't know. Personally, I think that like for them to be at the same scale of companies like Facebook and Google to me, I just haven't seen it happen before a company who's able to advertise in this at the scale that they do without the personal data. So it'd be interesting to see if Apple can do it. I'm willing to see if they can do it, but I'm I mean, skeptical. they already do it. This has been around, I think they're just expanding this business, but it's been around in their like app store search for years now. And it's just, it's, it works the same way as like DuckDuckGo, right? It's just based on your search queries, which is the least privacy invasive way to do it, I suppose, since they get your search queries anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't, I, I mean, it's a good point. And like, it makes it hard for me to, to argue with that because a lot of these search engines and quite a few privacy services do use advertising as well, but we take their word mm-hmm. that it's contextual and it's private. Contextual is like, for those listening, is like what you were saying. Like if you did a search for one thing, it's just one contextual ad for, for what that is. It's not trying to tie your entire profile and who you are as a person together to f- track you all around the internet. Um, I guess the so question I guess, is, well, I guess the question yeah. is like what context, if they bring this, advertising back to like mobile apps like if they let developers add ads to their apps using apple's uh ad service like they did in the past before they discontinued that um i guess the question would be what context are they going to use to to determine what ads to show you because you're not searching for something in that app i i don't know yeah it's all speculation we'll see yeah we'll see (laughs) it's all speculation Um, just a minor privacy update to iOS 16, uh, apps now have to request access to your clipboard. So like if you're pasting something from your password manager to Safari, for example, it's going to ask if Safari can use your clipboard from your password manager, and then you have to grant it access before you can paste anything. So that's going to be really useful for like, I think the main thing I've seen it with is shipping apps. They like automatically try to paste in if you have a shipping code in your clipboard, they read your clipboard every time you open the app. Um, there's some apps that do that for like two-factor authentication codes. Um, so I think it's just meant to prevent apps uh, from automatically scanning your clipboard without you knowing, um, which has it, been an issue in the past. Is that always going to be prompted or can you like whitelist an entire app in the settings? Like um, allow once or always allow type of deal. Do you know? That's a good question. I'm trying to remember how 
it's worked for me. I feel like I've had to allow it like for Safari from my password manager more than once. Um, but I don't know if that's like a per website thing or if it's like it got reset during the betas. So I'll have to I'll have to check it out now that the official release is out and see if that sticks or if you have to allow it every time. And the last thing, uh, this is super minor, but you can now view Wi-Fi passwords in your settings, which I find useful because I, um, I normally always have an Android and an iPhone device for different purposes laying around. And anytime I have someone who needs something like my hotspot password, back when I was using a Calyx hotspot, I'd have to like... I can never grab the iPhone and give them the password. It'd always be grab the Android device because I can actually view the Wi-Fi password from the Android device. And on Android, you can even share the Wi-Fi password with like a QR code. So someone can just scan it and then you're good. I don't know if Apple has something like that. I but... was just wondering if, I can't remember if it does or not. I don't think so, but I'd have to double check. Um, okay. But yeah, this actually just came in handy for me. Uh, last week, I needed to share a Wi-Fi password with someone and it works pretty seamlessly. It's actually locked behind... Uh, like face ID. So if you open your Wi-Fi settings, it does a face ID scan before showing you the username and password. Um, so I guess that's useful if you let other people use your phone and also don't want them accessing your Wi-Fi network. <laughs> Fair. Kids, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Is there something you're not telling us? <laughs> no comment? No. <laughs> Um, and so that covers all the privacy and security things, but there is one unrelated to iOS topic, and it's regarding iPhone 14, which was just announced, how many days ago now? A few days ago? Uh, was it Friday? Last Monday, right? It's been a week already? What day is it today? It's Monday, Monday. today. Yeah, it's been, it was last week. Oh, okay. Um, but pretty much, uh, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the eSIM thing. So for those who don't know, iPhone 14 is now eSIM only in the U.S. So you, you're not going to use physical SIM cards anymore with the iPhone 14 in the U.S. Um, I think a lot of people are concerned that this is a privacy and security issue and that blah, blah, blah. Do you have thoughts on that already? Um, I don't really see how it's going to be a privacy and security issue any more so than regular sims it's going to be a big usability issue for a lot of people though i know there's a lot of different reasons people like to swap out sim cards and stuff and not being able to do that is going to be a problem but i guess we'll see how apple handles it yeah i agree um that's kind of where i fall you know people are talking about well now your mz is it is attached to your phone and it's like it's always been like that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything more privacy invasive that an eSIM does than a, than a regular SIM wouldn't do. They're both pretty much inherently privacy invasive. Um, in fact, there's actually a nice security perk of eSIMs, which is there's no risk of easy SIM swap attacks. And the fact that that usability sacrifice of being able to cycle SIMs between different devices is also another security perk, too. Um, because someone can't just take the SIM out of your phone and pop it into their device and now impersonate you. Yep. Um, so that is one nice thing about the eSIM only. But like you said, I am one of those people that likes the flexibility of on the fly being able to just take a SIM card out of a device, put it in another, another device, and just carry on with my day. And not having that option anymore easily is, is going to suck. Yeah. Um, and... I just don't like not having the option. 
mm-hmm. I think is what it is for me. The option going away really sucks because even when you were helping me pick a cell carrier and like a whole cell configuration, I opted for the SIM card, the physical SIM for all of them. Yep. Um, Cause I like the flexibility of the SIM card. Yeah. It's interesting that this is a U.S. only thing. I think uh, this is probably a use case for a lot fewer Americans than maybe over in Europe where I think SIM swapping is more common or like dual SIM configurations um, just because of the travel. I do think one thing worth talking about is the accessibility in acquiring physical SIMs versus eSIMs. I, I do think that's a valid point to some extent because right now I can go drive five minutes probably and pick up a physical SIM card with cash. Um, so it's a very convenient way of just here in the US too. That's that's so I'm going to talk about that in a sec also. But in the US, I can just go and grab a SIM card with cash. And now I have more or less an anonymous, anonymously acquired SIM card, which I don't think matters because the moment it goes in your phone and your phone's with you all day, you kind of lose the whole anonymity aspect of acquiring a SIM card anonymously. But like, still, like you're able to acquire it privately slash anonymously. And with the eSIM, people are saying that's not possible. And I I think there's some truth to that, but it, it, there isn't. Um, there's a lot of eSIM services that we've even covered on TechLore, like uh, Silent Link, which for the record, I, I don't necessarily recommend. Uh, even if you watch the review, it's like, like it's cool, it works, but like I have a lot of questions about it. Um, but that's a service that's all eSIM. Um, we used Eralo. Yeah, I don't know how to say Eralo. it. Yeah, I think it's Eralo when we went to Portugal for MoneroCon for the conference. And I don't believe that one... They did offer phone and text plans as well, didn't they? They, I didn't see any on the app. Like, so maybe not. Like all of the sims said data only. They made it seem like there could be one that supports phone and text as well. But I, didn't, I couldn't find any in huh. other countries. Maybe they don't. But... I guess my point stands is that there are services there that do allow you to do KYC-free eSIM. Mm-hmm. And so that might... My concern is that now that things, if they do transition to eSIM, it'll be a lot easier. I think from a... If they're trying to eventually move to KYC-only SIM, SIM plans, that's going to enable that to happen much easier down the road. Yeah. Um, that That is a concern of mine because right now, like, it's really hard to... to crack down on the whole you can just buy a sim card down the street thing but if that starts phasing out and everything is moving digital it's going to be much easier to just be like you can't even sign up until you upload your id so that's that is a concern of mine but that's a long-term concern yeah i can definitely see that i i don't know if i see that actually happening though i mean even even if you get a physical sim in most cases you have to activate it online before using it anyways they i don't I don't know of any that work out of the box. Maybe there are some, but typically there's an activation process where they could conceivably require that information anyways. Um, True. Already. That's a good point. So, yeah, good point. Any other iPhone 14 stuff? I wanted to ask you about uh, the new satellite thing. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That um, is pretty neat. Do you think it has? Do you see any privacy concerns with that? Like having I don't know a, enough about the protocol connecting to satellites. <laughs> I don't know enough about it to like be able to answer that question. Yeah. I assume that any radio is going to pose its new security issues and privacy issues as all of them have in the past. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a single radio that doesn't have some inherent flaws. Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, cellular, like they all 
have their own risks and i assume this is no different but yeah i saw a couple posts online just people concerned about like satellite based tracking of your device now but i mean land based tracking is already so advanced and widespread i mean there's cell towers everywhere you're pretty much not escaping that sort of track yeah (laughs) i don't know how that would be a larger concern because with like you said with cell tower triangulation it goes down to like a few meters yeah so (laughs) i mean unless i don't know if anything i would guess it's probably less privacy invasive than cell towers if i had to guess just because it'd be done on a satellite level and i feel like that would be harder to pinpoint a location but i could be totally wrong i just don't know so i'm gonna shut up before i <laughs> say something that's not gonna age well right. <laughs> um i honestly didn't even watch the keynote it, like and i'm there's nothing i missed like the <laughs> iphone 14 is so boring it's just the, the iphone 13 yeah. but they removed the mini that i'm mad about oh, that i'm actually mini. mad about that I is, have thoughts that is really there. sad <laughs> um, i can't i don't understand the big the big phone movement. And it must have been because of the satellite stuff, I would imagine. Just antennas wise, because they added that to all their phones. I think that I, I think the mini form factor is just too limited for them probably. But it sucks. Probably. Well, I think even without the satellite thing, they were gonna get rid of the mini because not enough people buy them because so many people want their big phones. Yeah. But I ask people who have big phones why they have big phones, and I never get a good answer. It's always just like I like the big screen and it's like, but what about the big screen do you like? And it's like, I can see a lot of things. <laughs> I'm like, but iOS doesn't even like utilize the screen real estate for anything. It's just, everything's big. It uses more data. It's, it, it captures you more like, like research shows that like you're on your phone more if it's a bigger display, it's harder to manage. That's like the biggest thing for me. It's like holding massive phones. I don't have small hands, but. But it's still ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like awful. I'm like, and then like I, I run and I go on bike rides and like having to like fit like a massive phone inside a bike pouch. It's like, I think to have a big phone, you just have to like not have an active lifestyle at that point. <laughs> like, Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the secret. <laughs> Were there any other highlights? Oh, USB-C is still not a thing. Still not a thing. It's just so sad. I can't believe they did an update. I mean, they have to eventually, right? Because I'm undecided. The, at least in the EU. But... Yeah. And I guess they do, if they're doing US only, <laughs> the the US is going to get no SIM slot and a lightning port, and the EU oh, will get God. a SIM slot and USB-C <laughs> next year. If there's, yeah, it's a- Apple's trying to incentivize people to move to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> Um, you, I saw you tooted on Mastodon <laughs> that you were going to not get an iPhone. In fact, you said you're going to switch to Android if it didn't go to USB-C. Hey, look. So what's the plan there? Google Pixel. Uh, Pixel there 6A. we go. How's the 6A? Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it more than the 6, mostly because I didn't have to pay for it. So... Okay. It just feels Does it, nicer. Is it, but it is, is also it noticeably smaller. smaller. It is. It's. It's still bigger than my iPhone. Everything's <laughs> bigger than. And I don't even have a mini. You know, I have oh, the 13 man. Pro, so it's bigger than that. Um, but I hate the big phone movement. <laughs> but it is. It is smaller. It's not as nice. I miss wireless charging. 
Um, I know some people don't use that, but I have a wireless charger at my desk and I like being able to just set it down and you can't do that with the 6A. Um, that's actually why I waited. Oh, that's sorry. That's actually why I didn't wait for the 6A and I ended up getting a used 6. Yeah. Because I, I wanted wireless charging. I was sick of not having wireless charging. Um, but yeah, here's it's it's crazy to feel like Pixel 6 in the hand. <laughs> And then there's a mini. It's it's like like when I hold this thing, it's just ridiculous. I don't know why anyone would want this. Yeah. Google. Like if you use a phone this big and you like it, I have questions. I have a lot of questions for you. <laughs> Get in the uh, comments. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see in the comments because I, you know what? Like when I tweet about it and I talk about mini phones, I get a lot of support for it. But I have a feeling it's like, still a vocal minority so it'd be curious to see yeah. like if you actually do like big phones let us know why and it'd be cool to see i guess in, at least in our audience if people prefer the larger small phones frankly the iphone se second and third gen is the same build mm -hmm. that i think is actually probably the perfect size phone i like the size of the mini but it's like the tiniest bit too small sometimes and i think the mm. se is actually the best build size the display but though is tiny. i was gonna say not in terms of display real estate exactly so i'm thinking the se but with a full display like the 13 mini that's that would be my ideal choice that would be nice car crash detection I... stolen from android that's one of the features yeah, that, was... that <laughs> google they just copied released, from each yeah. other yeah and not just released google pixel has had that for at least a year or so Overall, like, I just didn't see much that was exciting. It seems like Apple's really migrated over to just minor updates. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy that between the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 14, they feel like the same phones. I don't think Apple's ever done that. Like, there's just very minor updates to each of them. I think a lot of people would say that that holds true from, like, the 10 to the 13. Like, to some people, the 14 is the biggest update they've made in five years. Wow. Or however long that was. Because... Just because they changed the notch, basically. <laughs> huh. Interesting take. It's been it, there's been a lot of very minor upgrades, I would say, especially if you're not like a big photography person, because I think pretty much the only reason to actually upgrade the past couple of years has been the camera, because they've made some pretty big improvements there. Uh huh. But I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you go three generations know. back, they're they're a. 14 chip or whatever is still going to be probably as fast as most android phones so it's not like you're upgrading for performance yeah well i'll be interested to see how long something like the iphone 12 is going to get support yeah because like app if people look at how long apple's supported their devices it only goes up in time it used to be five years now we're up to like six and seven years for even some of their devices, which is just crazy. And then we even have, again, we talked earlier about like how the iPhone 5S just got a minor update for iOS 12 and it's been 10 years. So I wouldn't call that official support still, but like even a 10 year old device, they're trying to still actively send out some security fixes, which is really awesome. It's kind of annoying with Apple, just to add to that, um, like as far as their update policies, though, they don't have like any kind of stated support window you're kind of just guessing and hoping that they're going to support it for a long time but like i mean even if you look at like 
macOS updates from two years ago, they're still getting updates, but they're not getting all of the security updates that the current operating system is getting. And it's not exactly clear what you're missing out on from like their release notes and stuff. And I agree, it's frustrating, but also it to me it seems like the just general goal is to just support things as long as they can. Yeah. And if that's the approach, then they can't really be like, oh, we're planning on supporting this phone for five years. Unlike Google, who just Unlike has this ar- arbitrary, we're going to stop in five years. Why five years? Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's it. We just we just chose five years out of thin air. Um, and it used to be two years for a lot of services. Thank goodness we're past the two years thing for a lot of phones <laughs> now, because that was just a joke. Um, even their Chromebooks, but... they did the same thing, which was even more ridiculous. You'd have yeah, Chromebooks. Chrome... I mean, you could buy a new Chromebook that probably uh, is hitting end of life in like a year still. <laughs> ridiculous wild all right well why don't we call it there so if you liked this free form discussion definitely let us know down below we wanted to kind of give you some insight into um how we see things without a script without a video camera just us talking um and giving our thoughts about things today was about apple just because that was the biggest event but next week if whatever the big story is for the week that we want to talk about and really unpack deeply that's what we're going to be doing um if we recorded this last week, it probably would have been Patreon. Like we, we want, we wanted to talk about Patreon and um, what this means, and tying this into other people who laid off their security teams, like Mozilla, and like what it means for them in the long run, and just really getting deep into some of these topics. And so that's kind of the goal from this. Um, hopefully, you all like it. It's just a very freeform discussion. And so let us know your thoughts um, and improvements we can make. It's just something new we're trying, and um, it's something that I really enjoy doing. So. Yeah, this was fun. Well, thank you, Jonah. um, And thank you for everyone listening. And we will see you hopefully next time we do this. Be sure to leave a comment on our new form. The posting for this video on the form. Oh, yes, our forum. (laughs) Discuss.techlore.tech. Go join. It's awesome.